Welcome to the Marriage Battle Plan Podcast. You know, a lot of couples struggle to communicate clearly in their marriages, and it's costing them a lot of heartache and pain. Our mission here is to help you communicate better with your spouse using combat-proven military communication strategies so you can enjoy your marriage more every single day. If you haven't done so already, please take the next three seconds. That's right, just the next three seconds. And simply click that five-star review button if you think this is a five-star podcast so we can reach even more people just like you and your family and friends and loved ones and help you all continue to win in your marriage. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Today we are going to talk about five things to make your marriage unshakable. Now I hope that doesn't sound too cliche or stupid because unshakable is a word that every marketing person in the world uses <laughs> and I'm a marketing person copywriter so that's why maybe I'm over familiar with it. But there are obviously more than five things that can make a, a marriage uh, solid and strong. But today we're just going to talk about five of these. And uh, But what's the first thing we're going to talk about? The cheesy marriage cliche of the week. Hmm, cheesy marriage <laughs> cliches. In case you don't know what that is, those are those uh, those stupid little pieces of marriage advice that you always hear when people ask for marriage advice and it's like that really lame cliche answer. Like everybody's repeated it for decades and their their grandfather before them repeated it <laughs> and their grandfather before then. But nobody actually stopped to think... It's a piece of hair right there. If you're watching this online, I have a piece of hair floating near my mouth. Um, that was weird. But yeah, so it's these pieces of marriage advice that people just repeat, but nobody actually ever seems to think about before they repeat it. Mm-hmm. And then it just kind of makes you look really bad uh, if there are any real thinking people around. Because yeah. most people who say these kinds of things, uh, they don't think about it. And they usually aren't able to actually intelligently uh, explain or defend their position with these things. Mm-hmm. So uh, today's thing is something that usually is said to men and a lot of times by other men. What is it, Jamie? What's the cheesy marriage cliche of the week? You can be right or you can be happy. All right. So, guys, <laughs> according to this, we can either be right or we can be happy. Um, pardon my French, but I don't know what kind of bitch you married if that's your life and that's your marriage. Yeah. Um, <laughs> dang. Seriously. So, in other words, what this is saying is even if you are actually right, you can be right. It, it, if, if maybe you actually are right. Or you can be happy. So you can't be right and happy. In other words, your wife is going to shame you and make your life miserable and act out negatively toward you if you're right. So in other words, the only way for you to be happy is to just let her uh, just concede and let her think she's right, even if she's wrong. So let me ask you this. If, If somebody is truly wrong about something, and you're not just trying to beat them over the head, but if they're truly wrong about something... If you actually love that person, if you truly love that person, you will correct them. Yeah. Because depending on the situation, it could actually work against them or do harm to them if they think something is right and it's not. Yeah. Like, no, you can't just walk out in the street and start hitting people. Well, you don't want to tell that to your wife, Frank, because you can be right or you can be happy. Now, I know that's an extreme example, but there are some things that if somebody doesn't know any better and you don't correct them they can actually get in more trouble or get hurt. So it would actually take, you would actually have to hate that person, really, to to not correct it. Or Mm -hmm. to say, okay, you know, well, you're not right. But people are so afraid of that. Well, well, not only that, but then I also think of like, um, I also think, so sometimes he'll have a whole bunch of guys come over for a campfire. And some of them come up to me and they're like, oh, thank you so much for letting him have us over. Letting him have people over? Say that again. There's a loud redneck truck that just drove by. Um, So, again, a couple guys will come up to me because they'll have guys come over for campfires and stuff. And they'll come come up to me and they'll say, thank you so much for letting him have us over. Uh, Letting him? 
Yeah, well, the assumption is that, you know, like, my wife lets me have friends over. <laughs> like, what, what kind of control freak did you marry if you use that phrase? No. Or or if if you have used it, what's your point in using it if you're not married to a control freak? Because my wife doesn't let me do anything. I don't let my wife do anything. She and I, we do what we want. Now, we do consult each other if it's a decision that involves both of us and can affect our family or relationship. Or finances or anything like that. Yeah, but we don't ask for permission. No. It's like, I mean, who does that? <laughs> but, like, I mean, you you can be right or, or you can be happy. You know what? I'm not a real egotistical person, but I'll be honest. I absolutely love it when I'm right. I am happy when I'm right. If I'm in a debate or an argument and I win, I'm happy and I'm right. <laughs> I'm not, I don't feel bad at all. I mean, it feels great to be right. I don't know about any of you uh, listening to this right now, but being right feels great. Yeah. And But the the implied thing, though, again, here is that if you're right, you're, that means your spouse, typically a woman in this case, um, is not going to allow you to be happy. Uh, you married a manipulator. You married a con. You married a person with some serious mental health issues, more than likely. I can't diagnose it. I'm not a professional. I only play one on TV. But I don't actually play on TV. But, yeah, if, if you if you can't be right and happy, you know, some of the happiest couples we know who have been married for years, some of the most common things we hear them say is, you know, when it comes to their marriage, they never really try to be right. And, um, you know, if they're wrong, like they really don't have any any dog in the show or in the game just they're like hey i was wrong or or okay well if that's how you see it okay you know like they're they're not trying to be right all the time mm-hmm. um and, and they don't care if their spouse has a good point and whatever it's just it's just not that big a deal and it's the yeah. ego that gets in there that does that mm-hmm. yeah for sure so husbands men don't go telling your buddies you know if if someone asks you for marriage advice Please, for the love of everything that is holy and unholy, don't say you can be right or you can be happy. Mm-hmm. That is not true. No, it's not. I'm often right and I'm often happy at the same time. And other times, Jamie's right and happy. Other times, we're right and miserable and vice versa. <laughs> it has to do with the maturity mm-hmm. of the person you're married to as well as you. And so yeah. it comes down to maturity. Mm-hmm. And openness and putting your ego aside. I mean, if you can't do that kind of stuff, you probably aren't married or you won't be for very long or you're probably on your fourth or fifth marriage. And let me guess, it was always your ex's fault. Never had anything to do with you. You were always the victim, right? And people like that tend to be. Yeah, there's a lot of hair floating around in here, isn't there? Maybe that's what I was looking at. Cat you can't, hair. If you're just listening <laughs> online... On the podcast, Jamie just Jamie just pulled a piece of hair off my cheek. I think it's the one I was trying to get. But uh, yeah. So anyway, all right. So today's today's uh, oh, my throat. <coughs> the content today: five things to make your marriage unshakable. There are again more than five things, but these are five things that we found help make marriages unshakable. So if you're struggling in your marriage, or you just want to keep your marriage strong, mm-hmm. uh, take note of these five things. What's the first one, Jamie? Be willing to talk about anything and everything. Have you ever had a time in your marriage when certain things were off limits to talk about? It's like we're not going there. Like you know not to bring up that topic, quote unquote, that topic. Are there things you can't talk about or you know better than to talk about that? Or boy, if I bring that up. I mean, it's going to be Pandora's box. It's opening a can of worms. It's it's opening a floodgate that cannot be closed or undone. If you have something like that in your marriage, that is an enemy. That is a ticking time bomb. And you really don't have a whole lot of control over, over what's going to happen mm-hmm. after the fact. Unless you are the one that initiates it and guides the journey along um, and tries to keep it sane for whatever reason. Yeah. You know, that can happen in a lot of different areas. Um, we were talking about some of the areas they were like, what? Like money. Like money. Like how we, you know, think about it differently sometimes, like because of how we grew up. Yeah. I mean, neither of us grew up with money. No. But I know that people who, like some people are raised in wealthy families. 
other people are raised in poor families. Mm-hmm. Rich people and poor people, by the way, they don't think about money the same way. No, they don't. And and it has to do, I mean, getting more money or lacking money has everything to do with how you think about it and how you use it. So if you have somebody who grew up poor and they were just taught spend everything you've got, well, even, even the Bible says a fool spends all he has. Yeah. So if you if you get your paycheck and you go spend a hundred percent of it, well, even the Bible says you're an idiot. So you might want to take note of that. Like that's not wise. Mm-hmm. You know, you were you raised in a rich family. You were taught, hey, go make a thousand bucks and go put that into something that will make you five thousand dollars or ten thousand dollars. Or you're taught, hey, go into a career where every sale you make has recurring commissions. So you're making money while you're not working. One of the financial habits of very wealthy people, almost every wealthy person I personally know, is they they take the money they earn and they put those into assets that can make money for them while they're not there and working to make it. And the more of those you have, the more money you're going to have. But let's say, let's say I wanted to take some money and invest it in some type of business thing, just a low amount. Maybe it's a thousand bucks. I want to put it into some sort of investment or something that can make us more money with that. But then I got to fight with Jamie because she wants that new coach purse. That new coach purse that costs as much as, you know, your first car. (laughs) But, oh, you got to have it. Well, she wants it. She's going to be mad if she doesn't get it. And that means, guys, maybe you're not going to get very much sex for the next three months or... She's going to throw it in your face every time or she's going to whine to her friends and her mama about how you're not taking care. How is that going to do for you financially? I mean, if you spend everything you earn, if that's one person's way of looking at it, you're going to be broke. They're going to get in credit card debt because they have no savings to cover the the things that happen in life. But I think it's I think you have to have a good balance of that. Like I think you know, I think if if you have a good lump sum that you randomly get, it's it's good to put most of it in savings or do something with it that can make you more. But it's also important to enjoy a little bit of it. You know, it's I, I think it's it's yeah. a good you have to find the balance. Yeah, you definitely want you definitely want to enjoy life, but you also have to tell your money where to go. Mm-hmm. If you don't tell it where to go, it's going one direction, and that's away from your bank account into <laughs> yeah. somebody else's. And then they'll tell it where to go, and they'll be doing a lot better than you very soon. Mm-hmm. Not that you should care how how well other people are doing, but you know, money being one of the number one causes of divorce, money fights. Uh, that's pretty important to get on the same page and say, you know, are you the free spirit or are you the big saver? Who's the big spender here? Mm-hmm. And uh, you don't believe it happens. Um, I mean, you probably do. You probably it's probably. You're probably not as aware of how bad of a problem this is. Uh, most people, uh, one of my one of my um, public speaking and business mentors, a guy named Larry Wingett. Um, if you've ever heard Larry, if you haven't heard Larry, uh, you're you're missing out. And if you have heard Larry, you you know you'll never forget Larry. Uh, he's unforgettable. Yeah. And Larry had a TV show on A and E years ago called Big Spender. Mm-hmm. And he would go into people's houses. They, you know, they live, they they just overspend everything. The guy doesn't work. He's watching TV eight hours a day. His kid doesn't have money for school, uh, lunch at school or new shoes. You know, the wife has a, 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 there's this tiny closet in this tiny apartment, but it's full of thousands of dollars of shoes and purses and name brand designer stuff. And Larry goes in there and goes, you know what, lady? You don't love your kids. You love purses. You know, and they just get mad. Mm-hmm. But it's right. It's right. Yeah. You spend your money. The guy spends, you know, smokes three packs of cigarettes a day, spends $300 a month on cigarettes. But his kid doesn't have, you know, shoes that fit him or pants that fit him and can't afford lunch at school. Mm-hmm. And he sits on his rear end all day on the couch watching TV instead of going out and getting a job or three. Yeah. And so, like, this stuff happens. If you don't cover it, if you don't get on the same page with it, it can bring you down, and it's one of the biggest things that actually does bring marriages down. Yeah. You know, another thing that does is uh, sex. You know, the other thing besides money that nobody ever talked about, turns out everyone had it, but nobody ever talked about it, uh, especially if you grew up in a church setting or 
more of a conservative or religious setting like we did. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sex is one of those things that everyone has their preferences and people evolve over time. People evolve over time in every way. Yeah. I mean, if you marry somebody at 20, 21 years old, you're not going to be married to the same person when you're 35. That's a different person. They've evolved and grown, hopefully. I mean, I've said it before on here. I'm 36 right now. And if I was the same as I was when I was 13, we probably wouldn't have a very good marriage. <laughs> now, yeah. Don't ever change. Are you kidding me? Please change. And let's change together and grow together. Yeah. But like, you know, people have different likes and things with sex. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, one of the reasons people have bad sex lives is because they don't communicate about it. Yeah. They're embarrassed. Yeah. They're embarrassed or or ashamed or like they 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 really want to experience something with their their spouse, but they're afraid, what will they think of me? Or, mm-hmm. you know, and, and there's all these things that, you know, and then you have to unpack, well, where, do, where does that sense of shame or where does that fear come from? Yeah. Where does it come from? Like, where, where's the root of that? Oh, yeah. Oh, iPad. Oh, iPad's going off. <laughs> Here we go. Make sure that's off. But, um, yeah, so you want to think about... We say in the marriage in the marriage battle plan that uh, mm-hmm. the thing you think is the enemy is actually not the enemy. Yeah. You know, the enemy is the thing that lays just beneath the surface of the obvious, and it's the root cause of the problem uh, or the hang-up you face in your marriage. It's you know, it's that thing that's causing it. I use the example, you know, in Afghanistan, the enemy would bury bombs in the road. The bombs in the road were not the enemy. Mm-hmm. The enemy was the person burying the bombs in the road every day. Yeah. And so, you know, whether it's in money or your sex life, and you're not ex- explaining what you want or how you like it or whatever, everyone's got their preferences, um, you're not doing that. And then you're resentful toward your spouse because you're not getting satisfied the way you want. But how do they know? Because after all, they don't read minds. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't feel like you can tell them. And this is something we actually, we, we were on another podcast earlier today talking about this. And, you know, I said, you know, somebody... If somebody doesn't feel like they can approach you and talk to you about something, I said, that's your fault. Yeah. And I was actually using myself as an example. You know, if Jamie doesn't feel like she can approach me and talk to me about money, sex, kid, whatever, a situation that comes up, if she feels like I can't approach Brian, I don't want to cause trouble. Well, that's my fault. I've somehow set that precedence somewhere where I'm unapproachable. So you got to look in the mirror, too. Because you may have unintentionally set that precedence, maybe in the bedroom or with money or whatever, where, you know, somebody goes, man, I just, I can't be honest with them or I can't, you know, and then you suffer. Mm-hmm. And the and the best things happen when you, you just, you get to a point where you want to talk and you don't really care how they judge or if they do or if, you know, and a lot of times the, the outcome is not anything like you thought it was going to be. Yeah. And so uh, what's another one, Jamie? Uh, do you stuff together? Or I'm sorry, no, the uh, the be willing to talk about anything and everything. What's another topic? Oh, um, kids. Yeah. Yeah. Discipline? How are you going to discipline, discipline your, kids? your kids? Do you spank them, not spank them? Do you sit them in the corner? Do you just talk to them? <laughs> you know? Or do, do you go get the leather belt? And uh, there's a very clear message sent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah unmistakable because one person might grow up differently than the other person and so then you have to communicate clearly together on how you're going to raise your kids and how you're going to discipline and you don't wait till an incident happens where you're trying to correct your kid you do it before you need to do that yeah and you know that also comes down to knowing what type of correction gets through most effectively to each kid yeah because because that's different too for each kid yeah so i mean a kid like me you know, a leather belt got my attention, <laughs> but you could do that to a, a you know a different kid who and, and you know it just kind of crushes them. Like they just you know, mm-hmm. like emotionally. Like me, I've never been that way. Like I needed, I'm the donkey that needs the two by four smack in his face. Like, and that's how I learn. Like yeah. it's just, it's a it's the most effective way. In fact, people who were too nice to me growing up, if it was go sit in the corner, which I never got. Um, I just would have laughed at him. Like, go sit in the corner. Okay, here, I'm sitting in the corner. I mean, I made a total mockery out of him. You know, I wouldn't have taken him seriously. It wouldn't have worked. Yeah. 
But with other people, you know, you just you have to you have to take a different approach. And it's not about what's right or wrong. That's all relative to how you grew up and your personal opinion. But it's about what's most effective for that particular kid that they get the lesson and the correction and that and that they they don't tend to keep doing that that same bad thing. Yeah. You know, and that's that right there, that lesson right there just made your marriage a lot easier if you got it. I never even heard that scenario growing up. Like, I mean, everybody got the belt. <laughs> it's like across the board. That's what it was. Oh, yeah. Same. And, you know, growing up, it was just me and my brother. So we were both boys. And so, you know, whatever. But, you know, it was it didn't, you know, it worked for both of us. But, you know, the thought of, hey, there might be a, a more effective way for one of these kids than the other. Taking something away or or it just it all depends. It all depends. But some kids are more effective. It's more effective discipline uh, one way or another with different kids. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, uh, what'd you say here? Uh, different, you said hobbies, goals, and dreams. Oh, yep. Yep. Hobbies, goals, and dreams. Been able to talk about those. Yeah. You I know, mean, with me going back to school, you know, that was something that we had to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Jamie, you know, at this point of this recording, you know, is pursuing her dream, you know, going back to college to become a school teacher. She's always wanted to teach elementary. And, um, you know, what that does when she starts, it takes her away from the house. Uh, she has more, uh, huge responsibilities, uh, that, that means she won't be at the house, uh, some of the time or she'll be busy studying and it jumbles with everybody's schedule. It's mm-hmm. like in, like in any unit or a platoon or a group of people, what one person does affects everybody in some way, mm-hmm. whether you're here or you're not here. And, okay, that means, oh, do I have to pick up the kids from school every single day or just four days a week now, as opposed to maybe once or twice a week? Well, that affects my schedule with the consulting I do, the copywriting I do, or if I'm if I'm on the road speaking and, and now it's like, well, who's going to pick up the kids or who's going to take them to jujitsu or, you know, there's not going to be any time for dinner in between there or youth group or all of it gets affected. So, you know, if you have goals and dreams, you have to to be able to be willing to talk about anything and everything concerning those. Yeah. And that was one thing we did uh, when you decided to go back to college. You know, I, I was never, we talked about this in a previous episode, but I was never against you going back, but I was, uh, I was making sure you understood the dark side of it. Like what it's actually going to cost to go back with time and effort and schedule and, and everything else um, that you're Mm -hmm. sacrificing time with family you know, you know, for studying or, or being over at the college. And so j- that was just making sure you understood what the true cost of this is going to be because it did affect our, our daily schedule and, and it will continue to. And so we have to be cool with that. We have to be on the same page with that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, I'm doing a lot of talking again. So Jamie, go ahead and kick off number two. Okay. So number two is do stuff together or learn or do stuff together and learn and grow together. And here's what I put right here. Because you want to, not because you have to. So do stuff together because you both want to, not out of some sort of sense of obligation. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I know for us, like, one thing that we do almost daily is we we go for walks around the pond. We'll go, like, some even sometimes even twice a day. Sometimes we'll go in the morning and do a walk. And sometimes we'll go in the evening and do a walk. And and half the time, like, you know, we'll get halfway around the pond. It's a little pond in our neighborhood that we walk around. It's about a half mile around. And yeah. and sometimes we'll get halfway around it and don't really even say anything. I know last night we really did until we were about halfway around it. So it's not even like we're not doing it because we... I don't we, think we even we, noticed that we didn't say anything. No. <laughs> and you No, know, not really. Yeah. I mean, we're not doing it, oh, we have to make our quota for our date this week or or anything like that. Like, we're just... We're going to have three alone times this week at 7, 19 p.m., Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Like, if your schedule's that stupid busy, man, I feel bad for you. But if you you have to schedule stuff like that, or I hear people say the same thing about scheduling sex, like, hey, whatever. Monday, Wednesday, we're going to have sex. At 7, 18 p.m., like, like... Like nothing sounds more boring. Now, if you have a super busy schedule, I I get it. I just uh, in our experience, spontaneity is way more fun. Mm-hmm. But um, 
the whole point with that is that you're doing it because you want to. Mm-hmm. Like, both of you want yeah. to. And there's no agenda. We're not out there to accomplish anything. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to get Jamie to believe something or get on my side before we get back to the house or anything like that. Yeah. There's no agenda. We have nothing in particular to talk about. And sometimes we don't. Mm-hmm. And we just talk about whatever comes to mind. Yeah. Or, you know, or learning and growing together. You know, that we we read books together. Um, we, we like to read books together. Yeah. In fact, I've got one right here. Oh, it's a huge stack of books. Oh, it's all going to fall. Oh, well. Um, if you're watching this online, you can't see this if you're listening to the podcast. This is a great one by one of my business mentors. It's called Scary Close by Donald Miller. Yeah. And uh, it's one of our favorites. Yeah. We've read it a couple times. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he talks about dropping the act and finding true intimacy. I don't like the word intimacy, it just has a connotation to it. He talks about just not being fake, being real. Yeah. Um, and there's so much in there. So good. That he, he talks about. Um, I would highly recommend you grab Scary Close. Such a good book. Um, I don't get anything for that. Um, not an affiliate or anything like that. It's just a great book. Mm-hmm. Um, and, we, you know, and when we do that, do we sit there and read like half the book in a night? No, we do like a chapter. A night, like just read one chapter, lot. and sometimes we we'll don't even get through a whole chapter. Yeah, like sometimes we'll get through half of a chapter, and we're like, oh, we just start talking the rest of the time. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, a lot of people say, "Oh gosh, I don't have time to read," let alone with my spouse. Uh, but the thing is, sometimes, like you said, we'll read like one page, mm-hmm. or half of a page, and something will jump out. And so that took what thirty seconds to a minute. And then 37 minutes later, we find we're still discussing that point. Yeah. In other words, we just had a great in-depth discussion about something. That's a conversation we never, ever would have had if we wouldn't have just picked up a book and said, let's yeah. just read. Yeah, you can just read till you hit a point that strikes you. Yeah. And then discuss it. Mm-hmm. It breeds communication. And another thing it does, and I've said this before, but it it allows you to talk about Sometimes talk about topics that maybe one of you or both of you want to talk about, but you just don't know how to bring it up. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's of a sexual nature, or maybe it was an abuse of some sort from somewhere, or some sort of touchy, uncomfortable topic. Well, when you read that in a book, it's sort of like a like a third party perspective. It introduces the that thing, that topic in between you. Yeah, and now. And now you can have that discussion without really being the one that brought it up mm-hmm. because that can bring with it connotations or, you know, she's like, well, why is he bringing that up now? Or, or he could be the same way. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it, it, it allows you to have conversations that you wouldn't normally have and, yeah. uh, it can help with those touchy topics. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Scary Close by Donald Miller. Excellent book. Uh, if you don't have it, go get it. Probably be to your house in two days on Amazon prime. Mm-hmm. Um, traveling. Yeah. We love to travel together. Even if it's just a couple hours away, like, you know, it don't have to be far. What's the last one we did? Oklahoma City. Oh, yeah. For my birthday. Yep. Yep. So a couple months ago, what'd we do? We just, um, had your, had his mom watch the kids for us and over a weekend, over just the weekend. So we. I think we left out on a, was it a Saturday? It was like a Friday, or Friday night maybe. or a Saturday morning. Yeah. Oh, it was spent, Friday night. Friday yeah. night. Spent two nights. And we we went just, you know, just literally right, right over the border of Oklahoma. Because we live in North stayed, Texas. And stayed yeah. um, right near a casino. And then, and then the next day we went into Oklahoma City, I believe it was, right? Yeah. We yeah. found a boutique hotel mm-hmm. just one night. You know, it was, it, it was a nice hotel and you know, it was a little pricier than usual, but it was only one night, so it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Ooh, yeah, keep yawning. yeah, we ate a lot of good food, hung out, did some things and, um, yeah. And it was, and it was, uh, my birthday falls on like Valentine's day weekend. So we didn't really want to go out on Valentine's day. So we had an act, I remember at the boutique hotel, we just got an Uber bring, brought us Chipotle. Yeah, <laughs> Uber Eats. 
And we watched... Uh, no, I, I didn't get her Chipotle for our Valentine's Day dinner, just so you know. Oh, no. So, yeah. I took her to an amazing crab oil place called Crab Town in Bricktown. For lunch, um, and it was a really which, good. Which, if you haven't been there, you need to go there. They take a giant bucket of corn on the cob, potatoes, crab legs, lobster, and they dump just that dump giant thing all over the table. Everyone eats from it. Uh, it's amazing. <laughs> That's some sort of, like, Cracker Jack. Caramel, vanilla. Oh my gosh, it was like, so good. Dessert. It was like. It had ice cream in oh it with gosh, caramel it and popcorn. And, uh, it was oh like caramel gosh. corn. With, oh my gosh. It was really Toasted. good. Whatever it was, it was amazing. Yeah, so we now we did that. Now there have been other times where we're like, hey, let's just find a campground and go for a day. Mm-hmm. You know, and we'll find a campground like a KOA that has cabins. It's like 80 bucks for a night. Um, yeah. You know, and oh, it's an hour away or an hour and a half. Okay, yeah. great. And it's like, my point is you don't have to travel, you know, across the country. Yeah, exactly. a ton of money. Just, I mean, do what you can, but like make that, make that time. Yeah. Because we, yeah. we found we enjoy seeing things together. We yeah. enjoy experiencing things together. You yeah. know, we're, we're not so big on, hey, I've got to have that new BMW M series, you know, that like, I've got to have the new one or like, oh man, like I've just got, like, we found that we're, we're less obsessed with spending money on things but on experiences absolutely like making memories that's what's more important to us yeah like we we've had fancy cars in the past and we don't anymore just because we choose not to you know mm. who, who wants to pay all that stinking money just to you know fix one little thing it's like we i could have went on a change va- yeah i could have went on vacation for what it cost to replace that computer chip in my old mercedes you know thirteen hundred dollars a little computer chip to the relay system oh thirteen hundred bucks okay Hey, it's thirteen hundred dollars. Whatever. It's like okay, I've got it. But like, man, you know, we do you know what we could have done with thirteen hundred dollars? <laughs> yeah, you can't get an oil change at Walmart. Got to go to the dealership. Well, you know what that means? More money. Money, more money, mo- money. More money and more problems. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, we've discovered that we like traveling together, mm-hmm. having experiences together. So what is it for you? Like, you know, what what um, what stuff do you do together? What do you learn? What do you, how do you learn and grow together? What do you enjoy together? Mm-hmm. What's interesting is the first, man, we've been married over 15 years now, but like the first, what, seven, eight, ten years of our marriage, we actually always used to talk about how we have no hobbies in common. Mm-hmm. We just yeah. didn't. Yeah. We had to like discover these things. And I think if we would, would have uh, knew how to communicate better and didn't have so many... Uh, we really feel like we we have a lot of built-in guard guard things in our minds that we were raised with. Like mm-hmm. like we understand, hey, don't do wrong things. But in a lot of ways, you know, a lot of us were raised that like everything is wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, that and that actually holds you back when things aren't actually wrong. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh well, you people said this thing or that thing was wrong, but it's actually not. You know, but it took you like nine years into marriage to realize, you know, that really there isn't anything wrong with that. <laughs> and it's like we could have been enjoying that like the whole time, except we had this this bad programming that mm-hmm. was probably well intentioned, but it was just it was put into us. Yeah, absolutely. And then it holds you back in your marriage. Yeah, I've known I've known people who who have been up from churches who are divorced, and they're like, oh yeah, the church totally you know being raised in church totally messed up our sex life and that was the big thing that destroyed our marriage nobody was communicating mm. and certain details or whatever i don't know the details but it was a flawed programming a flawed belief about a very important part of marriage uh, that actually ruined one of my friend's marriages mm. and he said oh yeah now and now he's just like he goes off the deep end when he talks about it because it was it was one of the things that the linchpins that just it was the last girl that broke and uh, ended his marriage. Mm. So very sad. Yeah. But yeah. So what's the next one, Jamie? Have lots of sex. Have lots of sex. You should run into your church next week and scream that. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. <laughs> I mean, unless it's a bunch of married people. And yeah. Yeah. It says discuss your curiosities together. Talk about that. I'll let her do it. Mm. Well, like what things you like in the bedroom and what things you don't like in the bedroom. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, everyone has things that turn them on. In fact, in one of the previous episodes, what, what was it called? How to have a great, how to have great sex. Yeah. We talked a lot on that. 
yeah. Uh, but what, what are some of the things, uh, again, that hold, that hold people back from from doing that, from discussing the curiosities or things that, you know, like they want to try or mm-hmm. just how they like things? Like, what are some of the things that hold people back? Well, they're either embarrassed or um, the fear of being judged. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then I then put embarrassed and fear of judgment equals holds you back. So, like, being that way will hold you back from having a great sex life. Yeah. I mean, you know, and again, go listen to that episode. In, f- in fact, I think it was the last episode we did right before this one. I think so. But we talk about that a lot. And, you know, again, people have programming. You know, life gets very interesting when you realize how much you've been programmed from the day you are born when it comes to certain things, certain topics and how to live, things like that. Mm-hmm. Most people just don't question that programming. And they're afraid to, or they're taught not to. They're taught it's a sin if you question what you were told to believe. Mm-hmm. Um, I will tell you right now, anytime somebody tells you don't question what I'm teaching you, you should be very concerned about listening to that person. Because that's usually called manipulation and tyranny. <laughs> it's called communism. Yeah. This is how it is. Don't question it. Like, okay, don't question it. Do you know I've questioned things in my life? Because the truth never has any reason to hide. Mm-hmm. What am I afraid of? The truth is going to be even more the truth. I mean, in whatever sense we mean the truth about a topic. Mm-hmm. So, you know, don't don't let a lack of a conversation destroy that part of your marriage. Yeah. So, um, however you need to break into that. Again, I mean, if you read in the book and it brings up the topic of sex, or maybe you you listen to a YouTube video and this is the topic of sex. And you hear somebody say something, maybe that's an opportunity for you to uh, say, hey, you know how she said this or you know how he said that? What are your thoughts on that? You can start start to sort of start going into that discussion um, and maybe feel a little safer if you feel like your spouse is not going to be open to discussing things. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, we said in the last episode, pretty much, and I say pretty much. If something is consensual, we there are very few things that we would actually say are wrong in this area if they're consensual by both people. It just it just is. Um, again, go. I'm telling you, go back and listen to that episode, the previous one. Yeah, it was good. Uh, uh, we get into uh, Mark Driscoll's book that he wrote with his wife. I don't have it here with me, but yeah, um, you know, he's a pastor of a church. They wrote on. I mean. You will never hear a pastor talk on these specific topics about sex. He wrote about it in this book, and they're very clear. And it they was all, really good. It yeah, was they really also, interesting. Yeah, they also talked about scriptures. Here's what this scripture says. And here's oh, what it actually means. Here's what it actually means. Or here's <laughs> the one that is always used to make this point. But here's why it's out of context and what it actually meant. And you know, historically, and when this happened, <laughs> and you go, "Wow, okay." Mm-hmm. You know, so maybe you know you're not just a weirdo or a pervert or a I, you know, I mean, who knows why God makes us the way he does. Who knows? Yeah. But um, if you're open and consensual with your spouse, uh, pre- pretty much, again, there's exceptions to everything, but pretty much there's not a whole lot, you know, that you, sh- you two shouldn't enjoy together as long as, like, both people are okay with that and, no, you know, nobody's health is being risked, you know, or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway... Next one, number four of the five things that make your marriage unshakable. Know your spouse's communication style. You want to talk about that? Well, there was um, there was a quiz that we took um, that was called the Life Languages Test. Yeah, if you Google, if you Google Life Language Institute, it's the only thing that comes up. It's yeah, yeah. So what did that do? So it it just kind of told us kind of how we best um we best commu- like communicate how we give and receive communication yeah and mm-hmm. there was what like seven different kinds i think so so once you learned what yours was mm-hmm. you learned all about it but then you also learned what yours was well you learned what yours was but you also learned how you best communicate with all the other styles so you're one style i'm another it actually told each of us based on our own style how to most effectively communicate with somebody of that other particular style. Mm-hmm. So it was literally saying, hey, Brian, you can just say this this way that you're thinking. 
But if you free phrase it this other way, she'll not only hear it, but she'll probably receive it better. And vice versa. And maybe be more compliant. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Jamie, you are a, um, let's call it a responder. High responder. It's like 99%. Like 98% and what does that mean? responder. Which means I, whenever I'm thinking about saying something, I think about how it's going to make everybody in the room feel first before I say it. And mine is called a mover. And it was pretty much the <laughs> same percentage. It's complete opposite of me. I mean, if you just pictured like a SWAT team kicking in a door and taking what they want, it's kind of like that. Um, <laughs> it, it, it is the opposite end of the spectrum completely from Jamie's. Yeah. And it it basically says, um, hey, we can talk, but right now we have a mission to accomplish. Let's we'll, we'll talk and become friends later. Let's get this done. Like if we have something to do. And it's very just kind of blunt. It's, again, people who are too flowery with me, trying to beat around the bush to not hurt my feelings. I'm the kind of person that just says, look, stop. Just say what you're trying to say, buddy. Like, just say it, would you? Like, you're really annoying me right now. Oh, yeah. Like, stop trying to dress it up. Mm -hmm. Like, and... Stop hovering. Just say what you're trying to say. Yeah. Like, just get to the point. Because I'm the kind of person that, to be most effectively communicating with me, just get to the point. I'm not going to sit around and listen all day. I'm not going to try and guess what you're alluding to or mm-hmm. trying to imply. It's like, I'm not. Like, I'm just like, I'm not. And I tell her that a lot. Oh, I'm like, yeah. look, if you have a point, just say it. Because I, I'm not, I don't have time. I'm too busy right right now. Not all the time, but it, like sometimes right now it's like, I don't have time to try to guess what you're saying. Just say it. Yeah. Now, the reason that happens is because she's trying to be careful and she doesn't offend me. Well, my style says, just <laughs> say it. <laughs> Now, vice versa, if I'm but like, when he tries to tell me something, Jamie, just get to the point. Like that sounds pretty mean. Then I'm just like, if you want to try to talk to me about something, you can't. You have to. You can't do it the way that he best receives it. Like yeah, at, at all. Like no. So I to best communicate with her most effectively, I had to go. Okay, I want to tell Jamie. <laughs> Just get to the point. Be like, honey, I want to understand. Honey, you don't call me honey. I know. I'm being being cliche. I want to understand what you're saying. I don't know that I do. But here's what I think you're saying. Is this right? Those are good words, by the way. But being very calm and flowery. And Am I wrong? Flowery. Am I hearing you right? (laughs) Me, it's just like. Flowery. Yeah. I mean, just. Trying to be too soft because if I'm, and there gets a point, right? Like if once or twice of doing that, if I haven't broken through, I just sort of and immediately oh, revert immediately. back to Brian and go, look. Immediately you, goes to Sergeant Fleming. What do you want? <laughs> what It's like in the notebook. What do you want? She goes, I don't know what I want. And I'm like, what do you want? The guy is so clear. He's like, what do you want? What do you want? That's four words. <laughs> and in the history of humanity, no woman can answer that question. Especially when it comes to picking a restaurant for mm-hmm. food. Just saying. Yes. Yes. So, know your spouse's <laughs> communication style. We highly recommend the life languages. Yes. It's not love languages. That's different. Life languages. That is another good one, though. But, yeah. yeah. Li- this one is life languages, though. Well, the love languages talks about how you receive love. Yeah. Um, the life languages talks about how you give and receive, how you, how you give and receive communication. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's literally like, I think the best, Oh, absolutely. like we, we've taken all, we've taken everything there is out there, all these like surveys and all these, these assessments. That's probably the best one we ever taken when it comes to how to communicate. I think that's why we mention it every, yeah. you know, anytime we, yeah. we get the chance because it's so, it was so good. Yeah. And we don't make any money on that. We're just telling you because it's, you know, we're not affiliates, you yeah. know, I'm friends with their CEO. Um, I just, we don't make anything on it. It's just a, a killer resource. I think it's like 40 bucks one time. Mm-hmm. So, forty bucks each, and uh, you have to look at it this way, though. If it saves you from getting divorced, is that worth forty dollars? I was about to say that. What's a divorce cost? Mm-hmm. Have you checked uh, a lot divorce rates lately, Jamie? <laughs> no, I haven't either. I think it but, depends on how much money you have. But I'm imagining a lot. Yeah. All right. Okay, Fifth so and the final. We're coming final down. One. Stop thinking you're always right. Hmm. That's hard for some people. And there's a quote. You want me to read it? Yep. 
It's a quote that is attributed to Mark Twain. I don't know if he actually said it or if it's somebody else, but Mark Twain in this in this case says, it ain't what you don't know that gets you into trouble. It's what you know for sure that just ain't so. It ain't what you don't know that gets you into trouble. It's what you know for sure that just ain't so. Have you ever known somebody who's extremely confident in what they're saying? They're very confident. People believe them just because they look and sound confident. Mm-hmm. So many people like that, so often, they're just straight up wrong with yeah. whatever they're talking about. Yeah. Like they are confidently wrong, passionately mm-hmm. wrong. Mm-hmm. They're so confident and passionate and commanding of attention. Yeah. And what they're teaching you is just completely wrong. Like the answer is wrong. There's, there, there's nothing right in it. Yeah. Yep. That happens in marriage sometimes, though. Mm-hmm. If you're married to a narcissist, you experience this every second of every day. Yeah. If, and, you know, that's, you're either going to divorce that person eventually, or you're going to stay married and hate the marriage you chose for your one life, and uh, you will get to a point in life later on where you will regret having stayed with them. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying get divorced, stay married, I don't know your situation, justification, you know, every every marriage is an individual case uh, when it comes to what is justifying for a divorce. But yeah, yeah. I mean, think about it though. Stop thinking you're always right. If I am of the opinion that I think I'm right, but I know there's a possibility maybe I'm missing something, and Jamie, you have that same mindset. Mm-hmm. Are we going to have knockdown dragouts and fights and? Things like that, that a lot of people, including us, have dealt with in the past. If we're both like, hey, well, I think I'm right, but I'm also open to the fact that maybe there might be something I'm missing. Maybe I'm not seeing everything. Yeah, like I don't know what, I mean, we wouldn't fight about that if we both have, if we both have that mindset. Yeah, it's, um, it's a lot easier to get along when you know and you are very well aware of your own humanity, mm-hmm. and that maybe you're missing something because nobody knows everything. Yeah. Or maybe the thing you're missing is just the fact that you think the argument's about one thing, but it's actually about another, and your spouse is thinking about that other thing, but you think it's about something else. And so you're not even arguing about the same thing. We always say with marriage battle plan, you know, if we can just get people arguing about the, the same thing, that's a win. Yeah. Because so many times people just aren't. They're just, they're coming from two different angles Mm -hmm. at some foreign object. They don't know what it is. And everyone's just trying to be right. Mm -hmm. So stop thinking you're always right, Jamie. Back at you, babe. Yeah. It'll save your marriage. (laughs) Save a lot of money. You like having money? Don't get divorced. I don't know. I mean, Mm -hmm. I've had a lot of friends get divorced. We've never done. Neither of us have ever been through that, but. One friend said um, years ago, said, man, you think getting married is expensive? Try getting divorced. <laughs> I'm like, no thanks. Oh, so, look, these are the five things to make your marriage unshakable. These are five things. There are many things. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, we, we always try to be as transparent and real as possible um, in, in these episodes. We're, we're not those those people on social media that are always taking selfies going, Hey, look at us and how much we love each other. But they're, you know, after they take it, they're yelling and swearing at each other. Um, which we do that too. Sometimes, Hey, we get mad. We, Oh my gosh, you yell and swear at each other. Yeah, we do. And I've got a mouth on me. And, uh, so does this one. Trust me. She only looks innocent, but (laughs) not as bad as me, but, but you know what? But we're not perfect. Yeah. And we don't try to be. Exactly. And maybe, maybe, the yelling and swearing isn't your thing. Maybe maybe when your spouse really grinds you, maybe you're just quiet for two days and you don't talk to them. You do the silent treatment. Mm-hmm. Everyone's got their quote-unquote middle finger that they give to their spouse. Yeah. They just have their own way of doing it. Maybe mm-hmm. it's yelling and swearing. Maybe it's not talking to them, the silent treatment. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's withholding sex or some other need or doing like everyone's got their way of doing things. Mm-hmm. But if you can just get on the same page, if yeah. you can, if you can stop listening to the cheesy cliche marriage advice, yeah. like you can be right or you can be happy. That's a crock. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, just to revise these, we're about done. Just to review these. Mm-hmm. 
What are the five, Jamie? Number one? Be willing to talk about anything and everything. Number two? Do stuff together and learn and grow together. Yep. Have lots of sex. That's number three. Who doesn't want that? Seriously. I mean, maybe some people, but I I don't know. Or I wouldn't. Yeah. Number four, know your spouse's communication style. And number five, stop thinking you're always right. Yeah. So look, if this was helpful for you, we actually have an online program called the Marriage Battle Plan, Mm -hmm. where we teach you a very simple process for how to communicate effectively with your spouse so you can actually enjoy the marriage you've always wanted, the one that you actually envisioned on your wedding day. Yeah. Because nobody on their wedding day goes, man, I can't wait for two and a half years in and we lose everything. We sell the house. You know, the kids are broken up and emotionally destroyed. And, you know, all the money we ever had is is just gone and lawyer fees and legal fees. And now our relationships are broken. Our hearts are broken. Nobody plans on doing that. Mm-hmm. And one of the big reasons that happens is because people do not communicate effectively. So if you go to marriagebattleplan.com, there is an online course there. A very simple online course. It's a video course. Jamie and I created that, and we teach you proven military battlefield strategies, battlefield communication strategies that we use in the military to win actual battles in war zones. We adapted that Mm -hmm. to a marriage relationship so that couples can communicate effectively under fire or under stress or whatever it is in your marriage so they can communicate effectively and get through it together and continue being married happily and productively. So if you want to know how to communicate better with your spouse and communicate effectively so you can have a better marriage, just go to marriagebattleplan.com. There is a a link in the show notes here. And uh, that will teach you how to communicate clearly with your spouse. Thanks for joining us today. If you've enjoyed this episode, please take the next three seconds, just three seconds, and simply click that five-star rating if you feel like this is a five-star podcast. Also, if you want us to keep making these episodes, we can't do it alone. We're just a normal married couple like many of you, and you can help us continue making these episodes by contributing just $4 a month. Yes, just $4 a month. That's literally only 13 cents a day. That's just a dollar a week, a dollar per episode. And let's be honest here. For the quality of advice you get here, you can easily afford to invest just a dollar a week with us. This helps us grow so we can bring you even more value, and you also have the chance to get some pretty cool swag out of the deal. So here's what you need to do. Just scroll down to the bottom of the show notes right now and click the link that says support the show or you see the word Patreon. It literally only takes 30 seconds to do and it helps us continue helping you and your friends and loved ones in their marriages. So click the link right now that says support the show or Patreon and we'll see you in the next episode.